Hey, it's Lynn Galadner, and this is the Make Meaning Podcast. I'm founder of the Your People Marketing and PR Agency, and I lead the Make Meaning Movement, a platform that helps purpose-driven visionaries and leaders do business with meaning. On this podcast, you'll hear stories of how people dare to take chances to live the life they want with meaningful work and purposeful days. There are many ways to fill your life with meaning. Join us at makemeaning.org to learn more. Now, on to the show. This is a pretty big episode of the Make Meaning Podcast. It's our 100th episode, and I'm so excited that we've made it this far, two and a half years after launching this podcast on my father's 80th birthday in 2018. I'm Lynn Galadner, and I'm so excited to welcome for our 100th episode, Basi Shemtov. Our interview begins in a few minutes, but I first want to tell you a little bit about why I chose Basi for this special recording. Basi Shemtov's entire life is driven by purpose and enriched with meaning. As co-founder of the Friendship Circle of Michigan with her husband, Rabbi Levi Shemtov, Basi says she knew from a young age that her life would be devoted to living out the mission of the late Lubavitcher Rebbe by dedicating her life and her family to service. Friendship Circle began in 1994 as a program in metropolitan Detroit for people with special needs. The organization's goal is to create friendship and social inclusion, not only for individuals with special needs, but for all of us, and create a community that doesn't quite see difference. The Friendship Circle has since become a global phenomenon. In this interview, Bossy and I talk about her personal meaning, her organizational purpose, and the great strides the Friendship Circle has made toward providing meaning and purpose for not only the individuals it serves, but for so many others who are pulled into the web of connection it creates toward filling the world with meaning and light. This podcast, the Make Meaning Podcast, grew out of my lifelong devotion to telling stories of meaning and purpose and figuring out how people make meaning in the mundane. I was a journalist for a long time before I got into marketing and public relations, and all along, I was inspired by so many ordinary people living extraordinary lives. We can all find meaning in really small ways, and that makes life worth living. I launched this podcast on my father's 80th birthday at a time when he had been diagnosed with acute myeloid leukemia, and I didn't know how long we'd have with him. He was my mentor, and we were super close. He advised me in so many ways on business and in life, on parenting, on relationships, just on how to be a good person. He wasn't perfect, but he was my dad. And my first episode and our one-year anniversary episode featured him because we got a lot more time with him than we thought we would. In his memory, I dedicate this 100th episode of the Make Meaning Podcast, and I'm so honored to welcome as my guest for this very special interview, Basi Shemtov, who has devoted her life to making a difference and living out purpose every single day. Basi Shemtov, welcome to the Make Meaning Podcast. Thank you. Excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you. And it's important to note that this is a milestone for the Make Meaning podcast as it's our 100th episode. And I knew that a conversation with you about your incredible work would be the most fitting tribute to what we've been trying to do since 2018 on this podcast, which is to show how everyday people create meaning and purpose in work and life. So thank you so much for bringing your light and energy to this mission. Sure. I'm excited. 
Yeah, so let's begin with a little background. I'd love to hear about your connection to the late Lubavitcher Rebbe. And for our audience, perhaps explain a little bit about the Chabad Lubavitch community and how it set a foundation for your life's purpose. Sure. So my husband and I were both raised in Chabad families. And um, the leader of the Chabad movement is what who you mentioned, the Lubavitcher Rebbe. And actually just two weeks after we got married um, is when he passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were all our life, you know, when we were little, we both knew growing up that we would want to um, be one of his emissaries. And the way that works is right now all over the world, there are over six, 7,000 couples that are all over. And it's primarily religious outreach uh, for the Jewish communities in every part of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, the Rebbe has taught something, has taught many things, but one of the specific things that really, really speak to me uh, very loud and really um, gave me the foundation of how I try to lead my life mm-hmm. and how I try to um, educate my children with is Rebbe had, had really taught the world, um, but a lot of it goes through his emissaries, through his students to the rest of the world, is the way we should be viewing every single person. Mm-hmm. The Rebbe has really imbued in us just by I mean, by a living example and by all of his teachings of the importance to not judge and to, when you see a person, to know that they have a soul. It's not just their outer appearance that we're judging by, that they are, they are not necessarily what they are on their outside. They are what they have in the inside. And that really carried over directly to our community of individuals with special needs. Um, And it's so cool because when we started Friendship Circle, to be honest, we didn't quite like get that part of when we try to encourage our teenagers to be volunteers, we really said to them, you know what, do a good deed. You have families that have 24-7 you know, really just crazy life um, of constant taking care of their child, their children. And especially if they have a child with special needs, it's just extra, it, it could be an extra struggle. And we said, do a good deed and, and help them, right? Mm-hmm. Within four or five years is when we had our aha moment. And that's really when almost the Rebbe's teaching once again came up so strong when we had too many volunteers. Mm-hmm. Um, the volunteers were like, what? Like, since when does an organization have too many volunteers? <laughs> right. I don't know that that happens very often. Right. Um, and that's when it hit us so strong that our teens could not wait to connect in a way that we can't connect with. Usually with a typical person, mm-hmm. you don't get that incredible soul to soul connection when Individuals with special needs, just if anybody, if any of you have a connection with people with special needs, you I'm sure would agree that there is that unbelievable, exceptional, the Rebbe has called individuals with special needs exceptional and not to be nice, but the truth that they have that exceptional soul that does not get bogged down with superficial junk. Mm-hmm. Um, they really connect deeply. And when they love these teenagers, it's not because they're beautiful. It's not because they're smart. It's not because they're successful. It's not because they have money. It's because they are connecting to that person's soul. Mm-hmm. And 
think about it, what teenager in today's day and age or ever, or what adult doesn't wish to have more connections with people that truly love them for who they are, rather than for the labels that are attached to all of us. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you you know, it sounds so simple, but um, it's really hard to find, I think, in, in regular society. And so I want to hear a little bit about, you know, how you decided to take this path, because there probably are many ways you could live out the Rebbe's teachings. And so when you started the Friendship Circle in 1994, you know, how did you know that this was the focus you were going to take? And just for our listeners, I know that um, there are teenagers that can volunteer, as you said, to work with individuals with special needs and they build friendships and that kind of thing. But there's so much more to it. So just tell me a little bit about, you know, what was that spark to start it? And then how did it grow over the next few years? Yeah. So when we started, you know, going back to the fact that we went out knowing that we were going kind of on the shoulders of the Rebbe's, you know, guidance and Mm -hmm. light and inspiration Mm -hmm. for sure. Um, And my husband decided that he wasn't the typical pulpit rabbi and he wanted to be the friendship rabbi. He came up with the name Friendship Circle, and his goal was to help people that were in isolation. Mm -hmm. Uh, There was a family that gave a small grant to Chabad um, to be able to start something to help people who might be struggling from substance abuse and other other reasons for being isolated. Mm -hmm. And he started in that community. I supported him in whichever way I could, typically making his lunch for the lunch and learns or Mm -hmm. having people over for dinner. But he would literally go into crack houses and other places like that to literally pull people out. Mm -hmm. Um, And within a few months, you know, we didn't have children at the time and I was bored and we were like, okay, we need more things to do. Mm -hmm. So he reached out to community leaders and said, who else needs friendship? Mm -hmm. Who else, what other parts of the community may be in isolation? Mm -hmm. Um, And several people mentioned special needs. So we very simply, one foot in front of the other, decided, hey, I love working with teens. Let's connect teenagers one-on-one with Mm -hmm. a child with special needs. Mm -hmm. Um, From there, just constantly trying to grow, add something, the next step, the next step. Um, And finally, in 2005 is the time that we moved in from literally a trailer on the campus where we're at on the Mirror Family Friendship Center. Mm -hmm. And we moved into our facility of 22,000 square feet with a really cool, unique space called the Weinberg Village. Mm -hmm. Um, We're not COVID days. We have 2,500 kids from across Metro Detroit who came and visited the village to have practice hands-on in a realistic, safe environment. Mm-hmm. Um, really cool, great spot. Mm-hmm. And just it constantly kept like snowballing. Mm-hmm. Um, we're in 2013 when our families kept saying, you know, slowly but surely, like, guys, you know, wherever your family, our kids are not children anymore. Mm-hmm. And we need something for our kids to do. Their their the vocational opportunities are slim to none. Mm-hmm. And even when they finally do get hired, if they get hired, it many times falls through and it doesn't work because they're not getting the support that they just need mm-hmm. or the training that they need. And mm-hmm. finally in 2000. 16, we started working on the project or actually, I'm sorry, 2013, 14 and 2016, we opened the Soul Center Mm -hmm. um, where we have the studio and gallery, which is 
awesome and 70 plus artists that are creating incredible work and were already curated and shown outside of our gallery, but people, collectors, corporations have been purchasing the art. It's just mm -hmm. beautiful. Mm -hmm. um, and we have a cafe where we train adults with special needs there. Mm -hmm. um, and just thank God, you know, blessings keep coming. And this bakery, like during COVID and kind of almost no notice, um, everything just happened the right way. And it's really, really over the top exciting. The opportunities it's opening up for us is this community is incredible. The possibilities are amazing. Our families, our, our adults can't wait to start the training, which we're working hard to prepare for it. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, that's amazing. That's great. exciting. Yes. So I know you've created so many different programs um, and thank you for taking me through that. But I know there's been dance and sports and camps and art and therapeutic and respite programs. Um, and I know that you serve families on site. Um, and of course, you know, the, the volunteers that come and now with um, purchasing the Dakota Bread Bakery and providing employment opportunities and training, you know, what is a typical day like for you and your team? So we have just the most incredible team and there's like it's kind of divided in different pods I'm going to use that word mm -hmm. um different groups that make up the full friendship circle right so we have the program team for the children's division we have the soul team for the adults at the cafe and the studio and the gallery we have the Dakota team we have the finance team that deals with everything to make everything run we have the marketing team so you know and every day, there each team is working really hard on their own specific goals and their focus. Um, we come together, all of our teams, to make sure that we're all up to date with what's going on in, the, in each other's areas, especially during COVID, when the you know the in-person meetings are so seldom. Uh, mm -hmm. Usually, they're on Zoom. Mm -hmm. um, during COVID has been in a way incredible, just a piece of it. Mm -hmm. We're, it's interesting that we've never had staff meetings and now, or rarely had staff, never had staff meetings the way we have it now. Mm -hmm. Right now, every morning at 8.30, everybody gets on Zoom for 15, 20 minutes. I mean, it's wow. just the bonding and the different connection and the different, you know, our staff knows what's going on in like mm -hmm. every area. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's been very interesting and the, a very special thing, especially during COVID is we closed Friday. I think it was the 14th of March. I'm not positive. Mm -hmm. um, that Monday, we already had Zoom incredible programming for mm -hmm. our children's division. Mm -hmm. And just about a week or two later, we had our sole programming via Zoom um, for our sole division. So wow. our staff literally jumped into action in a huge way. Mm -hmm. uh, right now we have lots of online programming, but we do have some really carefully done and orchestrated and in a very safe, careful way. We do have some in person mm -hmm. for the families that are comfortable with that. Sure. Um, we So it's very, I mean, the ideas and just thinking outside the box just really had to happen from drive-throughs to online baking classes. I mean, you name it. Mm -hmm. We had it dropping off packages, mm -hmm. uh, surprise birthday visits, you know, mm -hmm. just really coming up with anything that will make sure our families know they're not alone, mm -hmm. um, especially the families that really 
have to isolate for just immune compromise reasons um, or because of their comfort level. Mm -hmm. So we just really try to just reach out and be there and talk to them and hang out and stop by and visit if somebody is having a difficult time for whatever reason. Sure. Amazing. Amazing that you've been able to improvise that way. And, you know, God willing, it won't be that much longer. So we hope we can be back in person before long. Um, So this is all amazing. And I want to hear a little bit more about the Dakota project and then um, talk about how you juggle it all. So tell me a little bit about where this idea for the Dakota Bread Bakery came from and what your vision is for it. So um, Ron Hodes, who's the chair of our board and has two adults with special needs, um, ever since we piloted, we piloted a small challah bakery in 2013, kind mm-hmm. of prepping for the cafe. Mm-hmm. And we thought, hey, great, you know, the cafe opens, we could basically, you know, wean off of the challah pilot bakery mm-hmm. and move into the cafe. And it was a little bit off, you know, the, the baking program was just a really nice fit for many of our young adults with special needs. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of repetitive tasks. It's not as overwhelming and stimulating. It's not, you know, the anxiety level is not so high in that environment. Mm-hmm. Um, and the cafe is just a different level of ability that's needed for that. Mm-hmm. For that program. Mm-hmm. So the past couple of years, you know, Ron and a few other families were really putting pressure, like, let's go, let's do a bakery, let's do a bakery. Mm-hmm. Um, and to be honest, you know, my husband and I just, we were still trying to get Soul Center really stable and settled. Um, mm-hmm. And to start a bakery from scratch was not really exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to have a good bakery sure. takes a lot of effort and strategy. Yeah. And, and we're, you know, it's not like we're trying to go into business necessarily here. <laughs> Right. Um, so Ron though was persistent and he really wanted it. So he spoke with several of the board members and kept on trying and figuring out ways. Um, and then Howard Schwartz decided he's one of our board members and a mm-hmm. great friend. And he's like, if we want to get a, have a great bakery, why don't we just go to the best bakery around? Let's mm-hmm. go to Dakota. And he literally called them and they wanted to retire. And I don't think anybody really knew that. Um, so it was just incredible divine providence. And we, I mean, everything just, this literally is three and a half, uh, this idea came like three and a half, four months ago Mm. and it's ours for two weeks already. Wow. That's so fast. Very fast. And thank God in a very smooth, I mean, everything just really went in a very smooth way. It's all just so meant to be. Everything is Thank God, just been incredible That's and sure. exciting. Yeah. Really, for sure. Yeah. Awesome. So um, I'm sure that there's some transition where you have to kosher the bakery. And um, do you have to do any kind of, you know, ability, um, you know, access type of renovations? Or is it pretty much good to go as it is? Interesting. Um, yeah. So the koshering really was, thank God, Friday, we were closed, I believe. It's the only day we closed extra. Mm-hmm. cleaned it all day Friday and Sunday, all day koshering it. It was done, open for business on Monday. Amazing. Um, so the renovation, we are planning to renovate. Um, we didn't think we should rush into it. So mm-hmm. we're, we're, we're now planning and discussing. Um, it's a very small space, sure. you know, yeah. um, and God willing, we'll grow and we'll need a larger space, you know, okay. yeah. but for right now it's working and for the, it's, it's tight. You yeah. know, but lots, lots goes on in that little spot, little space. So, 
It's pretty cool. So you'll have um, different training programs to train individuals with special needs or how, like, how will you be incorporating both the running of a business, but then also making it a vocational opportunity for people as well? Yeah, great question. So um, our first goal was to make sure the business stays the same and stable and amazing the way it always was um, before we start thinking of growing it, growing it. Mm -hmm. Um, And what we are hoping within three weeks, we're hoping to start a small pilot with a few of our young adults. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have an incredible um, uh, trainer who has lots of experience uh, training adults with special needs in the vocational uh, world. Her name Mm -hmm. is Lisa Kowalski. Mm-hmm. And she is hired to uh, create the proper process to, of training for our young adults. And our goal is to really train our, we're going to be calling them trainees, mm-hmm. to have our trainees uh, practice until they become as independent as possible in their skill set with their skill sets in a specific task. Mm-hmm. Um, and the goal is to have everybody have their job within the bakery. So once they're trained, they will become regular employees of the bakery, especially once we are ready to add a second shift. Mm -hmm. And then we will mix all of our staff. Our Mm -hmm. trainees will become staffed together amongst the staff that are currently there now. Amazing. That's great. Wonderful. So with all of this amazing work that you've done over decades now, um, at the same time, you were building a family. And so I know a lot of our listeners are, you know, women who are um, both, you know, active with work and with family, and there's a lot to juggle and that balance can be really hard to do or overwhelming. So how have you balanced work and family and remain dedicated to both um, over the years? Okay, so, you know, as I go back to my foundation of how I was raised and how I was taught and the whole idea of being an emissary of the Rebbe mm-hmm. is very much viewed as a family unit. Uh, the Rebbe really, I mean, is the first... I believe, rabbi um, in history to look at um, his students and view the couple as a as a unit going together out in the world and helping to make the world a better place. Mm-hmm. So um, we were taught very strongly, obviously, that our family is our children, our number one priority mm-hmm. together with our community. We're mm-hmm. one. So mm-hmm. as my children were young, I, they came with me everywhere. They would come with me to bring the volunteers to the home. They would come in. I had children and families with special needs coming to my house all the time for dinner and even Saturday afternoon coming to visit. And my kids would be on their shoulders. And I mean, great memories. My kids are grown, but um, it just constantly, my kids knowing that Friendship Circle is their home. We They were hanging out at Friendship Circle from when they were little. Um And even now, whenever there's a program or anything, we we go right into it. So really, I feel like a big part of our life was that my kids were part of our mission, part of our mission of Mm -hmm. going out there and being there for as much as as much as we could help others to do it together as a team. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's an amazing concept that it it seems, you know, to make so much sense that there, there was such a seamlessness between life and work because it all came from the same place and inspiration. And yeah. it makes it easy to also raise your children with those values because it, they just permeate everything that you're doing. That's right. really awesome. Um, so I know that your kids are grown and I think two of your kids are emissaries now themselves. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. 
So tell me, what are they doing and how have your adult children then been influenced by, you know, everything that was constantly around them as they were growing up? So that feels like one of the greatest blessings I could share <laughs> is that, thank God, my two girls, uh, I have two girls and one boy, my my son just got married. A oh, few months ago. So yeah, but my two girls are married uh, and they both, one is an emissary with her husband, Lady Dubov in Bloomfield Hills mm-hmm. and uh, Hannah is an emissary with Menachem in Troy. Mm. So they are both doing the type of Chabad work that is outreach to the Jewish community, um, each of them in their cities. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's it's the underlying mission of knowing that our the reason why we're created and put in this world is for a purpose, is for a mission. Mm-hmm. And um, the fact that they committed themselves to being an emissary is our, the, our greatest, you know, the greatest joy to my husband and myself. Um, and we know that that's going to be a very special life for them. That's wonderful. And it's great that they're local as well for you. So you yeah. can be near them. That's really nice. Yeah. So yeah. on this show, we really focus about how people find meaning and purpose and put it to work for them and also um, in their personal lives. And so I wonder in closing, if you would offer some advice or wisdom to our listeners about, you know, how do they discover that purpose and then um, use it to guide their decisions and the way that they live? You know, it's one of the newer programs that we've been working on. We've had a pilot running um, and we're, we're ready for phase two is actually a parenting program. Um, And it kind of makes me think of that because the core of that program is like the first, the first class of the six classes is how to view your child. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think in general, the challenge that we're seeing in society today is possibly that when a child thinks their entire reason for being here is to get the best grades and get into the best schools and make the most money and have the most power, um, many kids will probably not necessarily be as successful as the hopes and dreams were, whether of the parents or even of their own Mm -hmm. hopes and dreams. Mm -hmm. Um, And unfortunately, that is a recipe for them to feel really bad about themselves and God forbid, you know, do things that we all don't want them to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so something that I just feel is kind of the like number one thing that would be amazing is if when everybody really studies and thinks about the purpose of why they're here. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we think about it deeply, we know that there is a reason for us to be here there. Otherwise we would not be created. We would not be put on this world. Mm-hmm. So when we could really think about what is our mission, what are we here to bring Because every single human being has incredible potential and gifts to give to others. And we all know that everybody has their, their special touch that, that only they could do and nobody else has that ability. Mm-hmm. So when we could tap into that understanding um, and think about it and focus on what comes our way to give us the opportunity to be there for others. I feel like everybody knows this, that when we give to others, even in a very, like thinking in a very basic way, like if I'm going to sit this evening and think about how I want to reorganize my house or whatever else, mm-hmm. it's all about me. It's all about my own stuff. And it's probably not going to bring the most happiness. Mm-hmm. But if I'm going to sit down and say, oh, there are two families that are not doing well, I better go make them dinner and deliver it. 
Mm-hmm. I'm going to come back tonight and feel like really just practically, I'm just going to obviously feel, feel like fulfilled, you know? Sure, sure. So it's kind of like what people probably know when we volunteer, uh-huh. it actually brings us happiness. Um, so yeah. in a, in a deeper way also, even though that is a hundred, I agree with that a hundred percent, but when we connect it with, we have a reason why we're here. So mm-hmm. if this came, if this situation came to me, what could I do to continue fulfilling the purpose of me being here? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that. I hope everybody who's listening today will use that inspiration and really dig down deep and and try to come up with that purpose and, and take it outward to see how they can impact others. So Basi Shemtov, thank you so much for sharing your beautiful story with us on the Make Meaning podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to the Make Meaning Podcast with Lynn Galadner. You can find us wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. If you like what you've heard here, join us over at makemeaning.org to discover how you can add more meaning to your life. And hey, if you like our conversations, please subscribe and share this episode with the meaningful people in your world.